This episode is brought to you by the Elite Academy, formerly known as hrvcourse.com. The Elite Academy now offers in-depth online courses on multiple subjects. So if you're enjoying the content of this podcast, but you're looking for a more structured and logical progression, looking at the science and application of these subjects, check out the Elite Academy at EliteHRV.com academy. Welcome to the Elite HRV Podcast, where experts share their experience using heart rate variability and other biomarkers to optimize health and human performance. Welcome back to the Elite HRV Podcast. This is your host, Jason Moore, and I'm super excited to have Paul Larson joining me today. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Nice to be back. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I should say welcome back, exactly, because um, even though it's been a while since we recorded the Overfat, Underfat episode with Phil Maffetone, um, I'm I'm excited to dig into some other subjects today, specifically high intensity interval training, and a lot of deep uh, topics around that. What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm excited, man! It's a uh, a topic that's you know part of my soul. <laughs> I, love, I love I love hit science, so uh, yeah, pretty pretty stoked to get into this and and talk about it. Yeah, and you know, just for the listeners, um, I, Paul is not exaggerating too much. In fact, um, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this conversation is because there's actually, I would say Paul is one of the top most knowledgeable people in the entire world about high-intensity interval training, and a big portion of his career and research went into the topic of HIT, and his papers on high intensity interval training, his scientific publications are some of the most cited papers on this subject in the research community and used in the high performance communities as well. So um, amongst the many accomplishments that Paul has under his belt, he is one of the go-to people in the entire world on this subject of HIT. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a a true geek, so uh, yeah. (laughs) And that's that's you're right in, you're right at home here uh, amongst geeks who who like to dig deep on stuff. So, and in the hit is a term. High intensity interval training is a term that probably everybody has heard before. Um, and you know, people might be thinking like, "Do I need another deep dive on hit? I I already know how to do Tabata or something like that." And uh, my message, you know, prefacing what we're about to discuss is that HIT is much more complex than people think, um, but it can also be implemented uh, much more simply than people think. And so there's this like dichotomy of simple and complex that we'll kind of get into. But for kind of the rest of us, Paul, you know, what is high intensity interval training from your perspective and why should we care about it? Yeah, good place to start. So high intensity interval training is defined as repeated bouts of high intensity exercise that is performed for somewhat of a sustained period uh, over your your so-called anaerobic threshold, that lactate threshold. So it's got to be by definition above that level and, you know, I did say sustained, but it's not sustained for very long. So it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's, a, it's at a period or it's at an exercise intensity that if you were to hold on to it for, uh, you know, 30 seconds, uh, and then beyond, you know, four or five minutes, you're, you're going to have to kind of, um, decrease your power output. So it's unsustainable. Basically you, you start getting into the, those, uh, those fast twitch muscle fibers, which aren't that fatigue resistance and they drive, you know, pretty strong messages to your brain to tell you to, that you're going to have to, um, to rest. So high intensity interval training is that intensity way up there, but then you, you can trick the system because if you take little pauses between that high intensity, uh, lo and behold, you can repeat these and, 
by doing so, you get more bang for buck at the end of the day. And this is what people are all, you know, the rave about. This is what they're all uh, excited about because if they separate these very high intensity, um, you know, exercise moments with periods of rest, they wind up getting, uh, yeah, a lot more out of their workouts. So that is that is high intensity interval training. And there's, of course, so many ways that you can skin the cat, as we like to say, uh, with the with how you um, you know you know how much effort versus how much pause and rest and recovery uh, that you make. But that that's of course what we get into in the, in the whole hit science course. Yeah, and um, you know to to echo that, I think. Uh, one of the the things that has really shocked me when I, ha- I had known about high intensity interval training, I had even kind of participated in it in my own way in uh, CrossFit and in other uh, fitness scenarios, um, doing some sprint intervals here and there, things like that. But when when it's really applied in a scientific way, uh, which again doesn't doesn't have to be complicated once you know how to do it. Um, you start to see some pretty amazing results. And one of the quotes that I think really highlights this is a tweet from Jamie Stanley, who is actually one of the co-instructors of Hit Science. So uh, Jamie was out kind of uh, walking the walk, so to speak, and ran a, uh, a marathon in two hours, 32 minutes, and was only training at 64 kilometers per week, which um, I'm not a marathon runner by background. So off the top of my head that our other listeners may not be aware, but he also goes on to say, that's so satisfying when everyone else who's running that fast is running over a hundred kilometers per week. So essentially, you know, this is an N equals one example, but it just kind of goes to show you the power of a smart training plan and especially one that includes high intensity interval training. Jamie in that example was doing about 60% of the training work that his peers were doing and running the same speed or probably faster than a lot of other people. Yeah, that's right. Now it's such a good example. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, for the Imperial, uh, Imperial measures out there, that's about 40 miles, like under 40 miles a week. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to think that you could do a two, you know, a two thirty marathon on 40 miles per week of training. But if you form it right, like Jamie did, you lo and behold, you can, um, yeah, you just, you, you really kind of hack the system a little bit. And, um, yeah, I mean, maybe we should really talk about some of the cool physiology that's, uh, well, I think cool physiology that's actually happening. I think it's a really good place to start. I think um, like when you when you're doing those big high uh, efforts, remember again I mentioned the fast twitch muscle fibers. We all most of us know that we've got our slow twitch muscle fibers that we do for sort of long distances walking, and they're they're totally fatigue resistant, and we can you know ultimately do these uh, forever. They they burn a lot of fat, and um, that's that's our slow twitch fibers. But our fast twitch fibers tend to burn more carbohydrate they tend to be the big motor units uh so if you're you know you're lifting something super heavy or you're doing a massive squat you're 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 diving into these large motor units these big powerful muscle fibers so when you're doing hit you're getting into those you're that's so that's the key thing and when the signal that you're making in those big uh motor units or muscle fibers is you're telling them to be more fatigue resistant. You're actually at giving them the signal to add mitochondria into the large muscle fibers. And, you know, you add those mitochondria, the, the, the energy powerhouses of the cell, then you, yeah, you create fatigue resistant in the, resistance in them. And you can ultimately use these big, powerful muscle fibers for much much longer so that's one of the i would argue like the 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 two key factors i think the second one that jamie would have got when he um you know was able to do that feat is you know um and these are we can talk a little bit more about these types later long and short intervals but 
basically what winds up happening is your another very important organ away from the muscles now, but straight to the heart really starts adapting differently than if you were just doing long, slow distance work. You get the this very large return of blood to the heart, which causes your the ventricles of the heart, the big the 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 chambers of the heart to stretch. They open up more and then they rebound and recoil and they wind up your heart winds up getting a whole lot stronger than if you were just going to do that um, low exer- low exercise intensity. And this increases something called the stroke volume, so the amount of blood that's that's pumped every beat, and then overall your cardiac output, and that's the overall um, you know volume of blood that's pumped in a given minute. And then this also winds up increasing, of course, the total amount of oxygen that's pumped around the whole body, which uh, you you know your your listeners will probably have heard of as your VO two max, your maximal volume of oxygen uptake. So I would say those are the two big, uh, you know, big advantages that you get with HIT that you don't get with other other um, uh, other forms of training. It, of course, if it's done right, uh, is is the the large the fast twitch muscle fiber um, conversion becoming more fatigue resistant and the large stroke volume, the larger cardiac output that you're going to get. So that is, I think those are the probably the two key key factors that um, um, that that are eliciting these amazing performance changes that we're seeing with HIT. Wow, yeah, and that's it's really neat to break it down that way because then you can kind of see, um, you know, you might have a question in your head like, how can you get so much better results with less training time in these events where um, there's a big endurance component to the uh, competition. And then uh, on the other side of the coin, people might be thinking, well, what if I'm not an endurance athlete, quote unquote? Um, What if I'm more of like a strength and power athlete? And uh, based on kind of interacting with you and the rest of the HIT instructors, um, I've learned that uh, this, these two big benefits can actually be applied to almost any sport. In fact, we have combat sports, uh, mixed martial arts, all the way to boxing, to grappling, um, and everything in between, and power sports like American football and hockey that have a lot of uh, strength and power and endurance component. And I think that that's kind of the key here is that when your muscles become more fatigue resistant, um, they be, and also, of course, there's the other training specificity benefits of uh, strengthening the muscles and, you know, increasing uh, wattage and all that type of stuff just through uh, normal gains. But when you're increasing the uh, mitochondrial density and the efficiency of the muscles and the f- fatigue resistance of the muscles, as well as the efficiency of the heart to be able to uh, have greater cardiac output, put pump more blood essentially, and be able to uh, oxygenate that blood more quickly and effectively that those efficiencies apply towards any sport specific type of activity that you're doing just about. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you kind of nailed everything there, but yeah, it's, it's maybe good to just, just emphasize it for the listener. And, and um, you know, in any of those sports that you, you kind of mentioned that, you know, they are extremely high intensity power strength, sort of sports, combat team sports, you know, have a look at any of these and they are like, certainly the, the bouts of high intensity are, you know, at at that moment are kind of, you know, short and, and and kind of punchy, but have a look closely and they're repeated, right? So if you want to repeat and keep repeating those high intensity bouts, you need fatigue resistance Mm -hmm. and you need to be considering um, how quickly you're going to be kind of recovering and how, um, between bouts and how, um, yeah, and how your ability to kind of repeat that in the in the next um, next phase. Often those are the critical moments uh, that you know the decisive moments in either a match or uh, or event. So uh, yeah, again, the targeting high intensity interval training specifically in in certain sessions 
is going to be critical for you know both the local peripheral muscles we call it you know to to make sure that those are um, you know developing those the mitochondria within the, the large muscle fibers as well as the um, you know the the whole cardiovascular system and really optimizing its uh, you know its ability to pump oxygenated blood around the body. So um, yeah, I mean it's pretty darn effective in every single sport, and this is why we've got you know twenty experts that actually tell us how they apply HIT training, the scientific concepts that we outlined in their context. Because everyone's just a little bit different, right? And we, we need to kind of understand how we actually apply it in a certain context. And, um, but yeah, there's so scientific principles, uh, context, uh, understanding context and application are the, really the two, two key things that we, that we think we do very well within HIT science. Yeah. And, and, that's that's a really good point actually is that you know we call this course which by the way I don't even know if I um illustrated this well enough in the very beginning but Paul and all of these colleagues that we've talked about just now have actually brought all of their expertise together into a structured online course called Hit Science so h i i t science.com and there is a there are decades and decades of research and frontline kind of honing of experience that have gone into this course. And that's a lot of what we're talking about here and why I'm so excited to have Paul on sharing some of this knowledge with us. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned it right there. HIT is exploding in practice across so many sports. And it's these two kind of key variables plus some sports-specific variables that make it so effective. Um, but if, before we kind of dig into different flavors of hit or why, you know, why or why not it's, uh, you might approach it differently for different sports for people who are not professional athletes, is there still a component to hit that they should be aware of or, or be concerned about? Is it, is it beneficial to <laughs> increase cardiac output for, for an average person, for, for example? Yeah, no, no, it's a really important point because we're all human beings on this planet. Uh, we've all got a that finite uh, lifespan that we're all looking at. We're all looking at the clock. And, you know, I, I dare say that a lot of your listeners are like myself and they will be concerned with uh, not just their performance, but also their health and longevity. And, you know, hit is one of the factors that is going to be adding to both your health and your longevity, if done correctly. Unfortunately, you can do HIT very incorrectly, and that's um, you know we cover that. Uh, you know, Phil Maftone does a really good job of covering that in in our chapter seven. But let's just speak about the positives of it, and really, it, it came back to the two key key factors: the the large motor unit, fast twitch fiber recruitment. Remember that we're losing our ability to dip into these units as we age. And this is one, you know, we're, you know, we're, I don't know, we're kind of on this battle where we just, you know, we're, we're dealing with aging and there's just this natural tendency to, for our ability to dive into these larger fast twitch muscle fibers diminishes as we age. And of course, if we fast track way down the, the aging line, we, we get to the situation where we're not going to have the strength to, um, to handle ourselves in a fall type situation. And this is one of the key things that's, that actually winds up killing us later on. So the longer you can kind of keep engaging those fast twitch muscle fibers on a regular basis, the more you're telling your body, sorry, we're not, we're not getting rid of you. Um, we're still using you. So, you know, the usage is so, is so critical. And HIT is one of the ways you can kind of hack the system to tell your body that we're not done with this. Um, so, and it's the same, exact same thing with the cardiac output. So, uh, you know, you, you don't want to tell your heart muscle that you don't need, to, it doesn't need to beat near VO2 max. You want to be getting a, a regular dose of of this, um, you know, that big ventricular 
uh, recoil, uh, stretch and recoil that enhances the stroke volume because you always want to have that or you, you want to keep that capacity for oxygen delivery up as long as you can. So it's an, important to, to have that um, you know, component in your training plan, really whoever you are, if you're considering health and longevity. Mm-hmm. Does that answer the question, Jason? Yeah, you know, that's huge. And I, and I like that you brought kind of the longevity piece into it as well, because, you know, many of us would maybe consider ourselves recreational athletes. Sometimes we make decisions that are maybe consciously or unconsciously a little bit more about performance and a little bit less about health and longevity. But in the back of our minds, we're like, if we could train, if I could elevate my performance in my sport or in life or some type of activity I'm trying to do while also preserving my health or even increasing my health, I'll definitely choose that route over the beat my body up just to gain a little extra performance in some competition that ultimately may or may not matter in the long term of my life. Um, And especially if that decision will also save me time at the end of the day, because that's, I think, one of the other beauties of HIT that so, so attracts me to it and that so pushes me away from kind of long, low and slow endurance training, which again, I'm not, nothing against it. It's it's just not something I've engaged a ton in, but it's the time commitment as well. You know, time is one of our only finite resources and I won't go too far off on this, but Uh, As Jamie's tweet illustrates, he did 60% of the training volume to get the same results. And he's also competing at an extremely high level. So for recreational athletes or people who are interested in just getting a boost in performance and health while saving time, it seems like a no-brainer to me at at that point. But I'll I'll get off that soapbox now. No, it's just, I mean, it's, you're you're spot on. And um, like, it's one of the key. So I do, I do triathlon coaching on the side. And that's one of the key things that people come to me for in the triathlon coaching world is, is people that are, they've only got 10 to 12 hours to train, but they want to do triathlon, like, you know, 70.3 or an Ironman and they need solutions to their busy lifestyle. So you know, of course, you're you're coming to me, and you're you've only got ten to twelve hours of um, of tra- of time to train. Then we need to be extremely strategic with all of those sessions. And of course, hit features in in uh, a large number of those. If you're in such a low a low training volume, um, another another um, <laughs> another classic example. Sort of keep keep <laughs> touting hit with the, all these examples, but it's like Dan Plews, who uh, is a co a lecturer for me within the triathlon, um, in the triathlon, uh, lecture series in hit science, where he does, he broke the world record for the Kona Ironman going eight eight hours and 24 minutes. And he, again, he used, he used two things. He used both the low carbohydrate approach, uh, as well in combined with, with, with hit training. He put the two together and he broke the world record in, in Kona going eight hours and 24 minutes. A huge so, performance. Yeah. And, and, and he did this same as Jamie. So he's only training. He, and I've got his, his data on training because he only got up to 24 hours a week. Now these are, again, that sounds very high, but in the world of Ironman triathlon, these guys are going 35 and 40 hours a week uh, equivalent um, to, to get the same sort of bang for buck. But Dan did it on a full-time job as a, you know, a, um, a lecturer in, at Auckland University of Technology. And, um, you know, again, just, just use the, the, those two kind of fundamental principles with the low carbohydrate approach, uh, cycling it, and, and then the, the high intensity double training to, to break the world record. That's yeah, it's that's a huge example as well. And, and, um, you know, Dan shares a lot of that, uh, experience in the course as well, alongside your experience. And before we dig into some of the more specifics around the different flavors of hit, I want to highlight something that you just kind of, um, casually added in there, which is that there was a nutritional component to Dan's, uh, performance and in general, one of the things that I really like about how 
you your personality in general, Paul, but also how Hit Science and all of you have approached this is that Hit is just one tool in the toolkit. And when done right, it can be a game-changing tool, but it still is in line with nutrition and sleep and stress management and some of these other things. And so the course actually addresses that and how HIT kind of fits into your bigger picture, not only for various sports, but in general from a health perspective um, and all of that. So uh, even even uh, injury prevention and things like that. So just wanted to say yeah. I appreciate that about the way that y'all approach this. And even though y'all clearly um, are uh, big proponents of the HIT concept, you present it in such a way as it is in reality as part of a toolkit. Yeah, no, I just I, I just couldn't agree more with you. It's and I think uh, you know that is the other experience that we all kind of come at this. Like we should also mention uh, you know the, the co you know leader of hit science is my colleague Martin Bescheit and and from uh, he works for the Paris Saint Germain football club which is one of the key um, you know, uh, soccer clubs in, in the world, or at least in the world of, of uh, football or soccer over in Europe. And, uh, I, you know, again, myself, Dan Plews and, and Jamie, we're all working with Olympic programs in our past. If you don't take a holistic approach, you're not going to get much traction with, with either, you know, athletes or, or coaches. So, you know, everyone that kind of uh, is part of Hit Science really takes that that holistic approach and the whole, um, you know, whole course is, is, uh, really put out that way where we're, you know, we're talking about how you integrate the, the hit sessions with strength training, how you integrate the nutrition with, um, with, with the hits, the hit work, um, how you monitor the training load that you're going to get with hit. And, uh, and then of course, how to form these, these hit sessions, which I'm sure we're going to go into very shortly, but, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, again, it's you know, taking that holistic approach is something we take great pride in based on our, our backgrounds and experiences. Yeah, and you know, like you said, if, if you're not taking a holistic approach, uh, one of the ways that I like to think about it is you're driving with your foot on the gas pedal and the brake pedal at the same time, essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can keep pressing harder on that gas pedal, or if you're a Tesla, it's called the accelerator. Um, no gas involved, but either way, if you have your foot on the brake pedal, you're going to be causing a lot of stress on your body, on the system, potentially burning it out and just wasting a bunch of time and effort. So, um, yeah, it's, so let's, let's go down that route a little bit now of unpacking, um, hit a little bit and we've, you've hinted at it long and short intervals. There's, there's various flavors of hit. You know, what are some of the things that people should be aware of in general that you dig deeper on in the course? Sure. So, like, maybe the to start, I mean, just to break down hit science in a nutshell, we start by really taking a physiologically based approach. We're, we're, we're physiologists, we're scientists first and foremost. That's where we came came from. But then we also have this, this real curiosity about how we can shape the puzzle piece, we like to call it, to solve the puzzle. And, uh, you know, with respect to how do you shape a, an actual hit session to get a certain physiological response. And that, in a nutshell, is what we try to teach in the course. Basically, you know, a, a certain um, formula of work-to-rest ratios or, uh, you know, work-at-work periods work of a certain amount of intensity for certain duration they'll uh with bouts of uh you know this duration this will cause a certain physiological response so you know it, it can get a little bit complex which is why we really felt we needed to have a whole whole course on it but yeah we start with a physiological basis and there are starting with that there's really three physiological targets that we want to hit when we're looking at trying to optimize someone's, uh, you know, performance. And the first one is the, the one we've kind of been speaking on. It's probably the most important one. And it would be the, your oxidative or aerobic or cardiovascular system, right? The ability to pump uh, oxygenated blood to working muscles to, uh, you know, give us aerobic energy 
and to cause fatigue resistance. So that's the first target. The second target is the anaerobic glycolytic system or the blood lactate system, the sugar burning system. And that's, um, and again, depending on how you skin the cat with, with your training, the, you can elicit uh, a response in that system, which can be very important, of course, for these high intensity efforts that we spoke about with the, the team sports, the combat sports, etc. And then the last target that is a lot less appreciated uh, by at least the, the, the scientific public, you know, I think the practice, the, the, per- the athlete's probably pretty aware of this, but um, not, not everyone is. And that's the neuromuscular and musculoskeletal system. And here we're talking about, you know, um, how much, you know, muscle soreness or muscle damage, um, muscle recruitment ultimately that you get when you punch or perform a, uh, a big hit session. So those three targets are usually the, are the things that we're looking at when we want to uh, look at our system and when we want to get, get a result. We really need to kind of be clear on what we're trying to, to target, our physiological aim. So that's really where we start in, in HIT science. And, and just to, just to like clarify, to make sure that I understand this correctly, is that when you do different templates for high intensity interval training that they those different approaches actually emphasize different differently emphasize those three targets is that correct yeah no exactly exactly and we break you know we break these these targets into different types so like depending on how you actually form your hit session you can get a hit session that only hits the aerobic system and totally gives the other two systems a break so it gives your lactate system a break to recover. It gives your neuromuscular system a break to recover. And you can imagine how that would be super beneficial if you can still keep the, uh, you know, the, the aerobic stress, or the aerobic, like positive stress up in a session, but not cause any further damage in either the, the lactate system or any damage in the neuromuscular system you can see how that would be extremely beneficial because now we're going to, you know, we're still going to be pumping up the heart's uh, ability to do its job. We're still going to be creating the mitochondrial density that we want. And um, again, we're going to, by knowing this, we're going to, um, you know, I guess get more, our training program is going to be better. We're going to get, um, you know, we're going to be way more effective. So yeah, we have sort of these different hit types, we kind of call them. Again, depending on how you skin the cat, you can get various different, you, you can move all three of these different physiological uh, targets. Um, so it's, for me, it's as a geek, it's super cool. <laughs> no, that, is, that is huge. I mean, Just change, the, change a, a training session up and you totally get a different response. So, and there's, you know, again, as a practitioner, not too many people out there that really are really kind of aware of this. So having this knowledge to me is, is just, it's super powerful. And again, I think it's why, you know, we're talking about some of these incredible um, outcomes that we're getting by knowing this. And it's, yeah, we want to just, we want to share that with the world. That's, um, yeah, I mean, you you hit it right on the head there. That's why we're talking about breaking world records and things because, you know, in the world of HRV and people listening to this who may be kind of tracking some data about themselves or trying to pay closer attention to not injuring themselves, for example, or burning themselves out, but still trying to perform well in life and sport and everything, um, is that this, one of the biggest challenges some people face is like, okay, once you find something you're motivated to do, it's hard to to stop doing it on days that you're over fatigued or days that you're not kind of in tip top shape. But if you have some variables that you can manipulate like this, you may be able to continue to make forward progress without pushing the boundaries of injury or things like that. If you're continuing to just kind of beat the uh, whole system all as one, <laughs> one unit, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. And I mean, you, you just said a key word that I forgot to mention on the neuromuscular musculoskeletal strain, it's injury. So you like, that is, that's so important. Again, back to this example where you can 
just do a hit session, but only target your um, your aerobic oxidative uh, cardiovascular system, but not cause any further uh, risk of injury. Well, that's going to be super beneficial, right? Because now we're going to be really getting a lot of um, re- really fast tracking our our um, I guess uh, performance potential right to the top and not causing any injury. So how you know? How might you do that? What would be one of the tricks? Well, you know, it's it's kind of like um, so. Say you're a runner, for example, and you're doing you know you're doing a certain run session. It could be you know it could be anything that's fairly hard and it has a neuromuscular output to it. Um, so I ran, um, I did some four minute one k sessions um, just yesterday, right? And I'm feeling a little bit of muscle damage in there today. I would not want to go back and you know hit that again. But what I could do is I could go downstairs on my bike, my cycle ergometer, and I could do a, a nice, uh, you know, a simple 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, uh, you know, for a you know, set of seven, a um, little bit of recovery, another set of seven. And in doing that, you find that you, you're still getting this uh, VO2 response. I'll be breathing hard. My um, muscle cells will be opening up down there. But because it's concentric contractions on the bike, I'm really not doing much of anything to affect any of the, um, you know, any of the running muscles that I damaged. I know I damaged during my, my hit session yesterday. So there's just one example on how that, that would be, you know, the one I just described on the bike downstairs in my, in my lab would be, you know, it, it's, it, it would be a type one session. So that's just an aerobics stimulus only, very little blood lactate or um, uh, or or neuromuscular strain compared to the one I did before, which would be more like a type four. All you know, we, that one's uh, you know all guns blazing with aerobic, anaerobic, and and uh, and a neuromuscular kind of strain. So again, knowing how to manipulate these sessions around gives you lots of little tricks to be able to really fast track the system to uh, for performance potential. And what are, so you mentioned type one and type four there. How many types are there? Yeah, we, we classified into, into six types total. So the first one is aerobic only. That's the type one. The type two, you'd have like, a, you know, an, an aerobic and a neuromuscular and your, your lactate would be low. So that one would be kind of, would have some sort of an engagement of the neuromuscular uh, musculoskeletal system in it. It could be still still running with the same format I mentioned on the, the basement one there downstairs. And the, the type threes, we take the neuromuscular out of it. So again, it could be, you know, like a cycle ergometer or a, a rowing ergometer kind of thing, except just you, you know, you're, you're prolonging the, um, the duration of the short interval perhaps, and you're getting more of that lactate spill out with the aerobic um, demand as well. Type four is all guns blazing. So this is all three systems going. That's the, the session I mentioned where I was doing the, the repeat 1Ks or four-minute intervals. And then the type fives, so these are kind of like our, um, our sprint interval training or our Tabata style. So these ones are real leg burners, big lactate efflux, big uh, neuromuscular strain, um, so, and, you know, massive kind of recruitment. But because they're so short, there's not much of an aerobic demand. So um, we, they're kind of taking the aerobic demand down on that one. Mm-hmm. And our, our, our very last one is the, is the type six. And this is just if you're doing strength and, uh, and strength work only. So, you know, or speed work kind of thing. So it's, it's not one that uh, it's not actually technically hit, but it's important if we're, when we want to consider the holistic look at the the athlete's training cycle and training program we we need to really appreciate how to structure in the the gym work really and to me type four sounds the worst so (laughs) i mean from a from an exertion uh standpoint (laughs) well i did i did one yesterday i tell you i um i hadn't really i hadn't done one that uh substantial in a while and it was (laughs) definitely it's pretty awesome i i like i kind of have mixed emotions about it i'm actually like i'm actually really pleased that i did it and i I, you know i got um yeah the performance that i was that i was looking for on it but at the same time i'm definitely feeling it uh, today i felt it last night i didn't actually have the greatest sleep if i'm honest 
and uh, nothing like what you're going through, Jason. But uh, but yeah, like <laughs> it was, was pretty average. And uh, my but I'm like I'm super I was super hot too. I like you can almost feel the just the muscle damage within in there, and you can almost feel the the mitochondria is being signaled to be made. It was, I know it's a bit bit geeky and weird, but that was uh, that's how I kind of felt after it. But yeah, you you got you to got to be careful. I definitely wouldn't do another type four today. There's no way. And you know that's you know I I come from a background that has I've coached CrossFit. I've used a lot of CrossFit, and there's a lot of other uh, exercise modalities out there that kind of mimic some of the principles of CrossFit. Um, but the, uh, CrossFit, uh, crosses a lot of these, um, types, uh, with regards to high intensity interval training from depending on how the workout's structured. Um, and sometimes you'll find yourself in a situation where you have a type four type, um, workout. And then the, the next day you also have a, a type four type workout or even multiple days in a row. Um, and so while depending on where you're at and what's going on, you may be able to tolerate that on an occasional basis. Um, but if you find yourself in a situation where you're kind of guns blazing all the time, then like Paul's illustrating is you're really putting a lot of wear and tear on the system and, uh, sustaining that and continuing to move forward is going to be pretty challenging. I would say. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's, you know, uh, there's lots of positives with CrossFit and, you know, they're getting people moving and some people are getting good results, but if there, there is some, you know, suggestion that, uh, some people kind of can, can get a little bit injured with that, with that program. At least that's what I've, what I've heard. And, and I think it really kind of comes down to too many type four sessions back, back and forth. So Again, to speak to hit science, appreciation of, you know, these types of stresses are really going to go a long way in allowing you to do the right thing and maybe, maybe you know, dial, dial back those, self-monitor yourself and, uh, you know, avoid, avoid doing the CrossFit session, you know, the day, day after day and uh, do something else. Yeah. And, you know, variety is, uh, it's uh, entertaining as well, but I even say like, so I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of a CrossFit style workout. And I think that it can actually be flavored, uh, across all of these types. So all six types, I could say you could adapt into a CrossFit model, for example. So if you're like a CrossFit coach or just like an avid, um, uh, constantly varied high intensity functional movement seeker, <laughs> then um, don't forget that constantly varied piece actually includes the uh, different types of high intensity intervals. And so um, that would be something that you could learn much more about in the course, of course, the different types, but you could program those workouts to be shorter, longer, and to emphasize different of our three targets, um, they don't have to all be type four. And I think one of the challenges is in some of these cases is that, like you just said, you have mixed emotions about type four because they're extremely grueling, but you feel very accomplished afterwards. And I think that some people get a little bit caught up on that feeling of um, the high that you get after a big beatdown workout. And uh, in a sense, if you're not careful, you can come to sort of crave that uh, post-workout feeling of that type four session and then uh, end up in a dark place if you're not careful. <laughs> Are you, so, you so said it, man. Like it's just, you think about like, and again, I just, just did this session. So or I just did a type four yesterday and like you're spot on. I was just like the dopamine levels for the whole day, we're pretty darn high. And I, I felt awesome. And if if I didn't know intuitively that that was not a good thing to do, uh, to repeat and do again uh, today, I could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, I just, I know, like I've got, you know, I, I've done it myself. Um, I've got friends that have, have done that um, themselves as well. Um, the dopamine levels are high. 
you're feeling really good. And, but, I, but again, yeah, this is where a little bit of intellect goes a long way to um, getting you into the right place. Because as we know, it's consistency of training that is one of the key elements that is going to uh, you know, benefit us in the long run at achieving any goal, whether it's performance, health, or longevity. We need to, we need to kind of be consistent. And unfortunately, you just can't, you should not be consistent with a type four session. And, you know, maybe at the, with the, if you're the CrossFit champion of the world or something, then you can continue to handle these. But I mean, most people just, that's, that's not going to be appropriate. Yeah. And, you know, actually you kind of hit it on the head there is that um, depending on your goals, you can actually get better at doing more type four activity, right? Uh, you do, you do. So we see that actually happening with the more experienced athletes because they because they begin to develop the a quicker resiliency for the neuromuscular strain, they can indeed repeat these uh, on a more frequent basis. Uh, you know, and we see this right through to the elite athlete, elite, the elite runner. They would even have, um, you know, the the world champion would be can do these type four sessions uh, on consecutive days. Um, but, but again, this is where the individual, the holistic approach and the individual is just kind of so important to, to take. Um, because if we're looking at the lay, lay public, that's, you know, we're going to probably need two to three days to recover from a, a type four, type four session. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, you, then it's like, where's the kind of the scale through there to the elite athlete. And uh, this is about knowing yourself. It's about knowing your athlete, and uh, and and monitoring and learning from from the whole process. You know, as you go through and describe these things, um, my brain keeps searching for analogies of about how to uh, present this in such a way that says it. There is a lot of complexity underneath the surface, but once you really get your hands on the right information. And you really kind of figure out how to use each of these types effectively, it actually ends up simplifying quite a bit because it removes a lot of the guesswork, right? And the uh, the main corollary that I'm drawing in my head is is cooking. Uh, when you're if you're very new to cooking and somebody hands you a bunch of different pots and pans and oils or things and vegetables or meats. You might look at all of it and be like, I guess I'll just put it all together and microwave it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but once either either through trial and error or through being taught, you can take a you can take the same ingredients and rearrange them a bunch of different ways to get the different outcomes that you're looking for, right? And over the years, like I've done that through trial and error with cooking over the years, you've done that through trial and error and deep research on high intensity interval training. And what we're saying here is that these types are now all the recipes are there in the course through the years that y'all have brought all this information together. And now we can just tap into that and it, it becomes more of a, okay, I need this result. I'm going to apply this template and monitor my progress in this way. Is that is that right? Absolutely, absolutely. That is that is 100% exactly the the way it kind of goes. Like it's you, you know, it really is a little bit like uh, like cooking, and it's it's you're 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 learning how to you know what goes with what, and and how you should really build the. Um, you know, form your, bake your cake ultimately. And, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to go at baking the, baking the cake. Yeah. You know, we can just throw the, you know, the flour, uh, you know, sugar, uh, egg and, and, and milk in, in the, in the bowl and throw it in the microwave and see what we get. But, you know, <laughs> probably not going to be that average. It's gonna, probably going to be pretty average. And, and yeah, like the, the, the more you get into it, the more you take a deep dive and understanding this and appreciating the different ingredients and, and knowing how they function uh, to give you the, you know, the um, beautiful cake that you're, that you're proud of, the, you know, the, the more beautiful it's going to come out at the end of the day. So it's, it's a good analogy. 
And you know, anytime I can cross the concept of learning and self-awareness with physical movement, I'm always, um, I jump at the opportunity because to me kind of doing a really mindless exercise is really difficult for me. Um, I like kind of knowing that what I'm doing is moving me towards some type of positive outcome. And, uh, and so to me, it just seems really awesome to be able to say, okay, today, you know, I'm pretty beat up. I did a type four session yesterday. I still want to get out and move. So maybe I'll hit, you know, I'm feeling like maybe a little sympathetically driven. So my nervous system's prime for some complex motor patterns, but I'm maybe beat up from that type four session. So I'm going to loop in maybe a, a really, really short type five or six or something, or maybe the opposite, right? I'm feeling very musculoskeletally um, damaged. So I'm going to go more of that type one into the spectrum. Is that how it ends up like unfolding? That's exactly how it is. And yeah. And again, you, you wind up learning what creates the type one session versus the type five session. Um, you know, you, you, you learn the different principles in terms of what's going to elicit a, a massive stress on your neuromuscular system, on the lactate system, and on the oxidative system. Wow. So we've got six types of HIT that we can manipulate. And then within those six, there are different um, sports-specific and probably life-specific movements that people can incorporate and I know from watching some of the content that you might find, um, you know, for example, more cycling in the endurance uh, sport arenas and more kind of animal movements or something like that in the combat sports, for example. And, you know, how does that play a role? Do the, the types of exercises that we do matter? Or do only certain types fit in, like, is cycling always going to be like type one through four and never have a uh, type five or six component to it? Yeah, I mean, it can. You can, I mean, especially if we're looking at the cycling specific chapters, right? We can create a neuromuscular stress in cycling if we alter our cycling cadence, right? So our pedal rate, we can really lower that pedal rate down to create a... um, you know, a heavy sort of feeling. And, and again, this is what it's something that I use in, you know, if I'm training either cyclists or triathletes, we can do these uh, called a strength endurance session. So super low cadence work, high, you know, relatively moderately high, high power to elicit the, um, yeah, this almost this achy kind of neuromuscular feel, uh, on the, uh, you know, on, on the, in the quads, um, or, and again, also you could have the, the high cadence, right? 110, 120 RPMs. Uh, so it's an over, over cadence kind of, uh, pedal rate. And again, we can get a neuromuscular response from that. So it's not exclusive. However, if we are in the context of many team sports, combat sports, uh, these types of, you know, even like the, um, even like a runner, they can deload a lot of the neuromuscular strain by doing a hit cycling session. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll, we're going to be targeting fast twitch muscle fibers and cardiovascular system, right? Stroke volume, cardiac output. Yeah, so, that, that yeah. pure concentric motion is is very valuable in many toolkits, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And again, rowing is very similar too, right? We're bringing in a little more upper body. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, different places have rowing ergometers and this is again not very neuromuscular not much neuromuscular strain in that but whole body um kind of uh you know movement and again very very much targets the the cardiovascular system um cross-country skiing is a great one too for us uh people that live in winter environments like myself uh you know we we love our our cross-country uh skiing both the skate skiing and the classic again upper and lower bodies and and there's of course uh you know those types of ergometers in many health clubs as well right um you might know the name for them kind of blanking on the name but Mm -hmm. type of you know cross crossfit or cross cross training kind of things right and you even, you know, I've even seen in the material that um, you can integrate 
like your team sports or your combat sports or anything. You can do um, cadenced sparring sessions, for example, or you can do small-sided games where you're incorporating sports-specific scenarios into the HIT training and that certain types of HIT types one through six I'm talking about here, certain types are going to be more or less conducive to those. Um, for, yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I won't go into too many examples cause I'm not the expert compared to all the instructors. So I just wanted to highlight that there are so many different movements that can be incorporated into these types once you kind of understand how they work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe the last, we, we, one thing we should kind of just um, you know, give the listener as well as what the, what the five key, um, the five key elements of, uh, hit formats or weapons we like to call. And these would be the, um, you know, the, the, the long interval. So I should define what a long interval is. So a long interval is something that's going to be, you know, between two and five minutes of exercise. You know, again, above that um, that threshold level, and then it's you know usually separated by about you know two to three minutes or thereabouts, and you know various repeats of that. So, and we're we're usually getting uh, our type threes and our type four responses with the long interval. And the the second weapon that we have is the short interval, and the short interval these are usually between ten seconds and uh, ten seconds and sixty seconds. And um, with equivalent boat, boat recoveries as well. And the short interval, this is Martin, Martin's real baby. And it's, uh, he's done so much research on this one to really, uh, you know, uh, uh, bring this one out and, and uh, explain it to us all. And it's, it's really the most versatile of all of the, the hit weapons because we can get types one through four in the short interval, depending on how you skin the cat. The next one is the repeated sprint training. So these ones are, you know, uh, used a lot in the team sports, like, you know, sports like rugby, sports like, um, you know, rugby league, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your football, um, football codes. And, and these ones are really eliciting that um, both the anaerobic system. So the, um, you know, the, 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 like it's a type four response, you can get a, a massive, uh, you know, all guns blazing kind of, response from this and also you can you can hit the type five as well so you can make this not very uh, heavy breathing or oxidative Mm -hmm. and then we have the sprint interval training these are like the tabatas these are the ones that get a lot of bang for buck in the um you know in in the uh maybe the health clubs and and whatnot so these are used these are like all out for 20 to 40 seconds like on a you know on a bike or on a treadmill and these ones are going to be really neuromuscularly and uh, lactate taxing. So type five response exclusive. And then the last one that you mentioned, Jason, was the, uh, the game-based high-intensity interval training or small-sided games. And this is really the, the hit session of choice for the team sport practitioner team, uh, or the team sport coach. So ultimately, we're implementing a, uh, you know, a, a ball implement whatnot within the actual hit session so that it's very fun and game-like and there's decision making and whatnot so great principles of specificity and again within our 11 i believe uh team sports that are represented within hit science these are this is again the the real go-to hit session uh for the for the coach and team sport practitioner really this is where we throw a lot of uh, creation and creativity into our into our sessions but you can you know you can really kill two birds with one stone with the, the game-based hit, hit training because you're not just getting the physiological response but you're also adding that uh you know important team specific element in that that you want to that you want to create we want to add that that um those important game and decision makings into the training itself so that we're good to go on game day and that's what it's all about. <laughs> good good to go on game day and also hopefully good to go for the game of life, which is every day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so there you have it. Those are our those are our five key key weapons of of uh 
of high intensity interval training that we um, that we talk about. And with those five, you can hit all six, or all, at least five of the um, of the hit types. And uh, pretty, you know, having that arsenal of I guess understanding of how the weapons work to hit your targets is is quite powerful from a uh, you know practitioner um, trainer perspective. And I and I know that when uh, when we go through the course, you break down our six targets, our five variables. I think I got those right, or five targets, six variables, but one way or the other, and then how to actually manipulate each of those variables within those target specifications. And so there's the the definition of them, but also directly how to apply them to hit each target, and then how to manipulate and tweak those based on inputs, such as what else you have going on, strength training, other types of training, uh, what and nutrition status, competi- level of competition and goals, um, and then training load, which again, I think this is another aspect that I really appreciate with you guys and gals, all of the instructors, um, is that every day is not the same, <laughs> even if for the same individual. Um, at certain training loads, you're going to get a better or worse response from different types of hit training and even different types of weapons uh, within each of those types of hit training. So, um, yeah. yeah, just like we were saying earlier, it's like like cooking, uh, like coming up with the right recipe for the right uh, ingredients that you have on hand. And, uh, once you kind of learn all of those, you just say, Hey, here's where I'm at today. I know because I'm monitoring and paying attention to what my goals are. These are the variables that I have open to me. And this is the result that I'm likely to get. And it sounds kind of crazy when you say it that way, because it takes a lot of the guesswork out, but then that's why, like you said, we're getting results like Dan Plew's breaking world records because it does remove a lot of the guesswork. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. I mean, yeah, we're, we're all getting quite scientific in our preparation. We're seeing the advantages of, uh, you know, this knowledge and these tools. And again, what you were alluding to is really our chapter, our, our chapter eight and our chapter nine. This is looking at training load and training load response. So training load, this we're talking about the, the stress that you're actually implementing into the athlete with these hit sessions and other sessions. So we explain how you can actually monitor that load. And then we also, this because we're all individual, as you know too well, Jason, we have to monitor the load response. And this is where we're looking at you know, the next day or, or the actual session itself, but we're looking at the response of the heart rate the response of the heart rate variability. And again, we go into um, pretty decent depth on, on how we go about monitoring that in athletes as well. Um, you know, and again, you know, we, we refer to the HRV uh, foundations course for, for further knowledge on that. But, um, but yeah, these are, again, you, you bring all these tools and have them all in the toolbox and you, you know, equip yourself to be a, a very powerful practitioner and uh, able to help your your athletes and yourself get to where you want to go. There it is. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap. I know that we can, you know, uh, there's a lot of content in the Hit Science course. It's broken up in different packages for people who are interested in different things. And Paul, I know that uh, with 20, over 20 experts from the UFC to the NFL, the NBA, national teams in Australia and Europe and Asia and uh, North America and South everywhere, basically. Um, it's pretty amazing. I want to just give a big props and kudos to you publicly because you're one of you're basically like the linchpin of hit science that brings all of these people together, you and Martin Bouchite. And you guys have put a ton of effort into bringing all this information together. So a big thanks for you on that and congratulations on doing so. And thank you also for sharing this time with us today. 
Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And again, the thanks comes goes right back to you and your team, Jason, for putting uh, our, our whole package together. We obviously couldn't have done it without you. So yeah, huge thanks to you and, and the team. Well, some in- insider info for the listeners is that before the show, this is the type of guy that Paul is, even though he's uh, competing and coaching and, and consulting at the highest levels of performance, he wanted to know how my baby's doing um, before we hit record. So uh, baby's doing well. She's almost six months old and she's uh, sitting, working on crawling. And uh, even though this is a period of potentially the worst sleep in my life, uh, <laughs> it's still, I have a lot to be grateful for. And that is going to be one of the variables that I keep in mind as I manipulate my own training. So how's the, how's the HRV these days, Jason? I would say it's a little, the, my baseline's a little lower than my lifetime average. <laughs> so, That's okay. Yeah. yeah long-term game, bro. Long-term game. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And, uh, it still has its good days. Um, Today, I'm a little bit in the yellow, uh, a little bit in a deep recovery mode because my sleep was disrupted. Um, but, um, you know, I take that into consideration. And now I know that I need to uh, become more familiar with these different types because I'm the type of person that gets a little itchy if I don't exercise. So um, a lot of times I end up taking just pure rest days, which is fine, fits into my lifestyle. but. I still kind of get itchy and antsy and kind of want to go out and move. Um, and that's just life. As you should. We go, Yeah. Keep moving. Keep moving. Yeah. I like, uh, I think there's a, a quote from Ido Portal, I believe, who hopefully I don't butcher it. It's been a while since I've heard it, but he says we're humans first and then we're movers second and then we're athletes or whatever our job or specific thing is third or after being a mover and a human. So I kind of like that line of thinking. Well said, well said. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much. And with that, we'll wrap uh, everybody. The show notes will be posted at EliteHRV.com slash podcast. And if you liked this episode, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcast, which is the best place for us to see it. And we appreciate all the feedback and spreading the word there. But uh, most importantly, check out HitScience.com, which is H-I-I-T Science.com. And Paul, Martin, and all of the rest of the crew have actually posted a bunch of free content there as well on the blog. And they have a very active newsletter, which uh, I'm on the newsletter, and I don't subscribe to very many newsletters. Um, But this one is full of useful content, and it's not spammy or anything like that. So I recommend signing up for the newsletter over at Hit Science. You get direct access to Paul and uh, messages from all of the other instructors there by doing so. So thanks again, Paul, and we'll wrap there. Cheers, Jason. The Elite Academy now offers in-depth online courses on multiple subjects. So if you're enjoying the content of this podcast, but you're looking for a more structured and logical progression, looking at the science and application of these subjects, check out the Elite Academy at EliteHRV.com slash academy.